What's up, everybody, and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, my name is Tim Kroll, and I'm the co-host focused on the topic of leadership here on the B2B Made Simple podcast. We have an exciting conversation coming, so let's not waste any time and jump right in. Just gonna hit record and then we'll we'll start the podcast at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think it's really powerful. And you know, from a and I, you're speaking at it from a woman's. I'm starting to sweat because it's hot in here for some reason. I'm just like, got to get my vest off. But it, it's amazing how men and women do approach things differently. As men, we try to internalize and we clamp it and we put it down and then we just ignore it and we don't realize that what we think is normal or what we think is our comfort zone is actually very harmful. You know, and that's yeah. where, like you're saying, even my parents, they look at that and they, I, looking back now, my dad won't talk about his childhood because of the abusive type situations and relationships that were kind of going on. Now, my grandparents have all passed, so I can kind of speak a little more freely, but the challenges that he went through created his reality. His reality then created my reality. And then we're looking at that and saying, well, it's his fault that I am the way that I am. Well, sort of, but really we have to take we got to take ownership of ourselves. We got to grow, heal, and move on in our own eternal, which then all of a sudden gives us the ability to go back and say, this is what it was. This is just my reality. And this is what I saw. Um, and it's, it's a powerful thing to move internally. Very powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, our parents came from an age where you, you know, don't talk, don't tell kind yeah. of, you know, generation. And, it wasn't, they didn't have books, they didn't have tools, they didn't have YouTube videos, they didn't have self-help, personal development gurus out there. Um, you know, I don't even know if they had therapists, to be honest, or psychologists, or, you know, anything like that at the time. And if they did, it would have been an absolute outcast if they had, you know, asked for help. Well, it was shown as weakness. Absolutely. And you, at that point in time, you did not show weakness. You can never show weakness. Uh, and that that was where you don't ask for that type of a help. But man, we need it. <laughs> I mean, we absolutely well, right. need it. So that's the gift of our generation that we really get to heal ourselves first, right? Invest in ourselves first. Mm. And then it will automatically overflow onto our family, our business, our community, and especially our family, because now we can have different conversations like we were just talking about with, um, you know, our parents and our children. So yeah. it's like we're in the spot to be able to heal two other generations at the same time. Yeah. Well, and actually three, because we are sharing our story and anyone who's hearing it is going to help them heal as well. And Those then we power get our stories. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, it's just amazing to me that, yeah, I, I mean, literally like everything that I've gone through and I've shared with someone they will go and come back to me and say, I took what you said and I talked to my spouse or my coworker or my, you know, um, 
my, my father or my mother and my whole reality of relationship with them changed. So it's, yeah. that's, that's why we do what we do. Right. That's why and that's we what interview I, I, people. It's amazing. I, I don't know if we'll, <laughs> it's so, I love having these conversations and you and I, I think we're like kindred souls kind of a thing, but it's just, when you're looking at this, the way the thoughts, the processes, which were good for them at that time, was very authoritarian. Authoritarian. Very, yes. Very authoritarian. Yes. And so what it would do is like, you do it my way regardless, and we don't even yeah. think about, and that becomes more of a, I'll call it like a domination kind of a mm. relationship, more of a, this is, and so I think of it in in, in regards to leadership and uh, the way that we look at leaders there's two different types. We have ones that are very much self-serving and what is it? And they use that power to manipulate. They use that power to become better, pad their pockets, whatever it is. They're using that power just for their own personal gain. And yeah, a true leader is there for the people. It's there to meet the needs of the people. And we have this shift that I see that's happening and, and Lord willing, this is going to be an uprising over the next decade or so. But there's this shift of the fact of the way to be in true leadership is to be more of the need, meeting the needs of the people rather than a self-service. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's it, I relate that back. And I I mean, I love the medieval times. I love the history. I love a lot of that stuff. And even, you know, the, be the warrior, that whole concept of the fact of you have to I mean, kings. There are very few throughout history that we can look back and say that was a good king that king ruled his people well because he was doing things to meet their needs most of the kings were very i'm here to hoard the wealth have this thing and all of the serfs are out there and they just put them out on the sides and they're, they're meant to eke out their existence in a survival mode whereas a good king is one that's benevolent one that's giving one that fights for the people one that is a good warrior defending like there's so many concepts and things on that but i don't know if that's a path you want to go down and talk more about but it's a, <laughs> it's a really powerful shift in our thinking because we don't think just of a king as a leader you're also a leader when you have kids you're a leader with your family you're a leader in your business, whether you own the business or don't own the business. You're a leader there. You're a leader in your community and the way that you show up. Every individual, it's, it, they're basically, every individual is born into some type of leadership. They yes. have some form of leadership that they have to accept that mantle. Some of them accept it graciously and realize the pain that comes along with it. Others accept it because they want the power to enhance themselves, whether it's an ego or they're hoarding or they want to better their lives. There's, there's two different ways to look at that. Those good leaders are those that are there to serve. And it's a really powerful concept. So I love it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we are in a shift. And as soon as you said that my whole, like I got chills all the way, you know, goosebumps all the way over my body. So I know you're, you're spot on and, you know, talking about a king, we're all kings and queens, right? Mm. And so we were born into royalty and we forget that. And just exactly, mm. you hit the nail on the head. We are born as leaders. And whether you are a parent or you are a teacher or you are someone's um, sibling, you are a leader in some way, shape or form. So here's the, here's the, the challenge that I have seen, the biggest challenge is we have not passed the mantle of leadership properly from generation to generation. Mm. 
Agreed. That's the fault. That's the, fa- the, the, the challenge is how do you pass that leadership, that mantle? So whether you're a king or you're a queen, you have to come up through the prince and the princess mode. You've got to come up through the warrior phases. You've got to be able to kind of learn in the school of hard knocks because that is where you learn graciousness. That's where you learn generosity. That's where you learn about the pain of life. And the it's the school of hard knocks. It's coming through that that make you a good and great king, a good and great queen. You know, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I think about this often about how. And I, and I don't, I'm not that person that's like teenagers of this generation, but I, I'm not at that age where I'm saying that. And um, this generation does not value hard work mm. because they have not had to do it. They have not understood what it looks like to earn the right to have money, the right to receive something, the right to receive the new latest and greatest, whatever, iPhone. That's a value attributing value to something. You're right, right. Yeah. And so I often thought like how maybe in like the middle school, junior high, um, you know, middle school, um, high school age, there could be a program where they literally ha- have to start serving like in fast, like in restaurants, <laughs> you know, well, or me, really like kind of look- serving in a, in a customer service kind of way. Yes. Right. Go ahead. Cause I think that there's something that is really powerful and I've done this with my kid and I, it's <laughs> God's got a funny way of just giving me things in the morning and I don't realize I'm going to talk about it or even do it. I'm literally, this is my journal and I'm literally reading out of my journal on some of this stuff. Cause I put down five different points of passing the mantle of leadership from an example from David to Solomon. And um, it was a powerful, powerful thing. So maybe I'll, I'll give you those five things that I learned from that. But the one thing that I wanted to say in regards to understanding the value of uh, whether it's the hard work value, the generosity value, there's certain things in there that they have to get the taste for it. So something that I did for my kids is the fact of we went and this is when we were living in Philadelphia area, we went and served into Camden, New Jersey. And if anybody knows anything about Camden, New Jersey, it's the armpit of like, it's not good. And so I took my kids in there and we were giving away bicycles and we were giving away Mm. gifts and stuff around Christmas time. But I wanted them to see how that society lived when there was a lot of poverty. There's a lot of evil too. My kids at 10, 11, and 12 were, they watched a drug deal go down on the street. The guy's got this big wad of cash and it comes out of the house and they, and, you know, obviously we're protecting, but they're looking at that. And then they see the kids that come out of this house and they're still in pajamas that have holes in the bottom of them. And they're walking down the street with those pajamas because that's all that they've got. Mm. And that's all that they, and and the kids, all of a sudden their eyes just got like really big. Like, this is how people really live in the inner cities. This is how people like this is. And so showing them that and then giving them a chance to invest in and be able to give things back once they got a taste for that generosity, once they got a taste of giving things back. Um, A friend of mine, I just, uh, this last Saturday, his name is Ron Lynch, really powerful individual. And he has this concept and he's using, I'll have to to find it, but I think it's called IntelliHelp, but it's giving food and donations. And his whole goal is he wants 300 people to give $1. He doesn't want $300 from one individual. He wants 300 people to give $1. He says, because I know the power of giving it's addictive. And if I get somebody to give me $1, they'll come back later and give me two, three, four, five, 10. 
and they continue because of how powerful that 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 generosity is. And when you get a I'm using the word addictive in a good way, because when you get addicted to that, it's a it's a powerful same thing when it comes to the hard work. When you give people a taste of a little bit of hard work and they turn around and they look at what they've been able to accomplish. I took my boys, I took my, my middle son, my oldest son is actually out of college and we went on a backpacking trip for three days. Mm-hmm. This was a tough trip. We were hiking 20 plus miles. We were, man, we were dogging it <laughs> by the end of the time we were tired. And there was an opportunity about three quarters of the way through where we could have stopped, could have gotten on an earlier bus and gone back. And I asked both the two boys that were with me, do you want to do this? Or do you want to see the satisfaction of completing? Both of them made the decision to complete. At the end of it, they both looked at each other and said, man, that was tough, but I'm so glad we did it. Mm. Because there's a fulfillment, there's a satisfaction of a job well done, of a hard, hard work that was done to completion. There's a certain level of satisfaction that can only come from that. Right. And by giving them that taste of it and bringing them up, all of a sudden that now again becomes addictive in a good way. And it's a powerful, powerful mind mindset shift. It's a powerful perspective when you can see how valuable that stuff is. So, yeah, anyway. it, no, it's very true. I'm I'm just thinking uh, of a story of um, you know I grew up on a farm, <laughs> and so we had to bale hay. We had, would have to walk beans. We would have to detassel corn, and you would see these Not humongous. The <laughs> yeah, you would. Uh, well, you would walk the beans, and um, you know, uh, you had this big long stick with a knife on the end, and you would mm. cut down the the weeds. Ah. And you would see this big field, and you're like, I have to do what? We got to get through <laughs> this whole field by the what? The end of the day, what? And you're just like, there's no way. There's no way we're gonna do this. And at the end, your dog tired, and yet you can look back. And so it's it's not just a yard, right? Because you can look back and see how the yard was long, and now it's short because you mowed the yard. But it's expansive, mm. you know. When you can really see a field, and be able to like grasp that you impacted that piece of land in such a way that is going to produce this crop that's going to go out and make an Im- better impact. Yeah. You know, it, you're absolutely right. It is addictive. And that's your is. training ground to become a king and a queen. Yes. That's what people miss is that that training ground is critical because now when you see that and you say, you just use a very important word, which is the impact. And when you see the impact that you can have just on doing something that's hard work, the impact on people is even far greater. Yes. And when you get that and you get a, a, an understanding of the impact that you can have on an individual, because if you can change and you can help one individual grow, that helps their family, which then helps the extended family, which then helps the community, which then helps. And it just ripples right out. And one of the things I do when I'm coaching business owners and I talk with them is let's say they've got 10 employees, 20 employees, the impact that you have on 10 or 20 people doesn't end with 10 or 20. Right. You literally have an impact on sometimes, depending on if they're married, how many kids they have, anywhere between, let's say, 50 and possibly 100 individuals because of wives, husbands, uh, parents, kids, all the whole net, network there. You've got an impact on them. And then by you doing what you're doing, you're leading by example. You're showing empathy and you're leading by that example. They now go out and follow that example, mimic what you're doing and have a greater impact on the community and thus surrounding in the world. So. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you touch on the five 
bases of leadership that you were going to read from your journal today. So I wanted to make sure we wrapped it back around to that (laughs) (laughs) because clearly we're taking this uh, interview in reverse today. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and we could, I mean, like there's so many things that rattle around in my head, so I'm going to rely on you to guide me. Um, And if I get down a rabbit trail, please pull it back because I just, it, I get talking about things and I get excited and get passionate. I'm like, let's Same. go, let's go. <laughs> Same. And you know what? That's so funny because all it started was with the question of the flag and, and how yeah. it represents my dad. And it just went from there. So yeah, no, uh, and it's, it's powerful, powerful. All right. So it, and this is actually the whole story is found in uh, first Chronicles in chapter 28. And I love it because of the history and how it looks at, it. and we can go back through other documents besides the Bible and find factual things that back this up. And so I use this story and I look at it and I say, okay, how is the mantle to be passed from one leader, one great king, David, possibly one of the greatest kings of all time, passed on to the wisest man of all time in Solomon. And we can and we can see this mantle being passed. Now, were they full of flaws? Absolutely. I'm full of flaws. <laughs> You're full of flaws. Everybody has challenges. Everybody has problems. And for the naysayers that are out there, I challenge him to look at it and say, okay, yeah, David, he committed adultery. He murdered people. He did all these things, but he was still a good and great leader because he let he, his heart was in the right place. And the same thing when it comes to Solomon. So the here's how we look at this is number one, it, the way that David brought all of the people together, he brought all of the leadership. He brought all of the individuals that had power or influence in the area and made this announcement publicly. So the very first step is the fact that it was in front of the important people. It was in front of those that meant a lot to Solomon. Because these and were his peers. What, these were the people that, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. What, what book did you say it was from? What? Uh, first Chronicles 28. First chapter 28. Chronicles? Yeah. Or the Cor- Corinthians? No, Chronicles. Chronicles. Oh, gotcha. Colossians? No. Chronicles. No, it's Chronicles out of the Old Testament. It's... um. Basically, when you look at the Old Testament, it's broken into different parts, and the Chronicles are literally the Chronicles of the Kings. And so it shows the thing. So it's First Chronicles, and then it's chapter 28. If you do a a Google search, you'll find this is the Old Testament that most people don't read. (laughs) It's the part that everybody looks at the New Testament, and they understand that, but the Old Testament's got history and passage and really cool things. So this is out of the Old Testament, First Chronicles 28. And so as you go through the chapter, like I said, the very first thing that it shows is that he brought all of the important people together because he had this big announcement to make. He had this powerful thing that he was going to say, I am stepping down. Solomon is going to be the leader. And there's all kinds of little side stories on this that are really incredible between um, Absalom that really tried to take over, who wasn't the rightful leader. And we don't have to go on all of that stuff, but there's a really a lot of things. So that's the first thing is the fact that it was all about in front of his peers, in front of important people. And it was this rite of passage that was going on. Second of all, it was involving knowing what his, what Solomon's purpose was. What was, what was he specifically Mm -hmm. called to do? Mm -hmm. And knowing your purpose is absolutely key. Absolutely. Yes. Because as you look at your life, too many of us are walking around blindly, not understanding what we have to do, what we want to do, what, and that is one of the biggest challenges that I see in the generations that are moving up, in fact, it's with my own kids, 21-year-old is like, hey, what are you going to do next year? I don't know. My 18-year-old, right. where do you want to go? I don't know. And it's okay. I'm not trying to force people in that. What I'm trying to understand is the fact that we focus so much on what we do rather than what we've been called or what our purpose is. And, and so 
rather than who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. So the challenge as a parent is not to force my child into something that is a do rather than nurturing who they are. Mm. Yes. Because yes. that's where we often fail in the passing of the mantle and passing on this leadership is we want them to force into a role of what they are going to do rather than embracing who they are. Yes. So the second thing that I really noted in this is that Solomon was called to do something and he understood and embraced that purpose in his life. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother topic that we could go into finding purpose, finding, but the fact Absolutely. is that's a key element in this is understanding and embracing that purpose, embracing that calling. Mm-hmm. Okay. The third thing that I noticed in there, David laid out, Because one of the tasks, the big, big task, one of the things of his life, which became monumental, was building this temple. Mm. And Solomon, he was tasked with building this. And he was world famous for building this temple. I mean, people came, kings, queens all over the world came to look at the beauty of the temple and the majesty of this temple. Right. And so the third thing was David laid out a set of plans. He laid out he laid out the journey. He laid out the way to be able to do that. He broke down some of the challenges and some of the objections Mm. that would have been in front of him. Mm. David used his influence to make the path a little bit easier. Because as a young leader stepping in, you don't always have that network. You don't always have the resources. You don't always have the things that you need to be able to accomplish your purpose. A good leader, a great leader, a king passing that mantle is going to work with you. He's going to give you his network. He's going to make that plan with you. He's going to work through that process. And this applies not just to father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, not just family. This applies to your business. It applies to whether you're a manager. If you, there's so many different applications on this because you as the leader, as the king that we were referring back to, have a duty to be able to clear that path and meet the needs of your people. However, that transitions, however that looks like. I completely agree with you. You've got to have a plan. Yeah. So one in front of everybody public Two, knowing the purpose three, having a plan Four is the charge. This is the part that we often look at and we miss because part of the charge is I'm just so excited about this. Part of the charge is motivation, but part of the charge is a challenge. I see this potential in you and I'm challenging you to live up to that potential. I'm challenging you to fulfill your purpose. I'm challenging you to become more than what you think you can be. I'm challenging you to get out of your comfort zone. And that charge is powerful. And people, especially kids, they're looking for this purpose. They're looking for this meaning. They're looking for why am I here on earth? Employees, they're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for why. And the charge is your why. Giving that charge. And the biggest thing that I can translate in this part of it, and this is what David says, and I, I, it gets me a little emotional at times because I look at that and say, I want a leader in my life to be able to do that. But then I also want to pass this on. And he says two things, two key things. He says, be strong and be courageous. Mm-hmm. The path before you is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. This is going to be a hard path, but be strong and be courageous because I have a plan for you. I've mm-hmm. got, you know what your purpose is. 
<laughs> be strong, be courageous, because while it's going to get hard, there's going to be people with you. We're going to be with you. We're going to be helping you. We're going to be mentoring you. Be strong. Don't give up. Show up every day in and out. Hmm. And then he says also this, because we always look at be strong. We look at this charge and say, be strong, be courageous. And then it says about being not afraid. But I'm like, wait a minute, I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> like I have fears and the fear is really, when I look at fear and I define fear, it's really that idea that there's something negative or there's something that could happen. There's something that could cause me harm in some way, but yet the charges don't be afraid and to act because there's two parts of that. Don't be afraid, but you must act. You must take that step. Yeah. Because if we are not afraid, that means we are being courageous. Yes. And we define courage by acting in the middle of our fear, by acting in the middle of our anxiety. And so when we tie all that together and we look at that, and we say, we're going to be strong. We're going to be courageous, which means we're not going to be afraid or more importantly, we're not going to allow our fear to stop us. We're not going to allow our fear to put us into isolation, to hide away, to sit in a comfort zone. We're not going to allow that fear to, to show up in our lives and become this big giant that's going to manipulate and going to force us into hiding. We're not going to do that. We're going to be strong and we're going to be courageous. So the charge is absolutely critical. And especially in front of the public, in front of all the peers, I know you can do this. I know you have a purpose. Be strong. Be courageous. Act. Because I know you got this. That was number four. Number five. It's the fact of finding where your strength comes from. And this is such an important component because oftentimes when we look at our lives, we're taught, to, we're taught and we're shown, especially in the American culture, that we have to have this quote unquote hustle mentality. Mm. We have to burn our candle, not just on both ends, but we got to chop it in half, burn four different ends. We're cutting it like we have got to go, go, go. And yet that's not where our strength lies. Our strength lies in the recovery. Our strength lies in the reflection. Our strength lies in some of the beauty that happens in our worlds. That's where the strength comes from. In order to be courageous, in order to act, we have to understand where that strength comes from. Yes. And that is an important key that everybody misses. Yes. Because they're saying you got to work, you got to do more, you got you to produce more results. You got to. We were never told that that's what we have to do. We were mm. told to fulfill our purpose, to show up on a daily basis to take time to rest, to recover, to look at our souls and say, what's going on inside? Going back, and let me tell you what you said at the beginning, because this is why I love it, is the fact that you said when we start to heal internally, it changes the conversations on the outside. It changes it with our parents, with our kids. I guarantee you it changes it with your employees. It, it yes. changes it with your network and your community because you've taken the time to find where your strength comes from and to heal that inner part in order to be a more powerful king in order to be a more powerful queen mm. you got me on a soapbox <laughs> <laughs> you you are preaching from the pulpit today <laughs> thank you tim i have wow so i just want to recap for our listeners so number one is what if you want to okay. repeat it for me <laughs> number one is it has to be public it's got it to be to be public other, right it's got to be in front of somebody else mm, okay sure because when there's a, the community is a powerful entity. And right now we're dealing with isolation. We're dealing with people saying, you've got to isolate yourself. I hate that word isolation because isolation is a negative connotation. 
I, when I'm looking for my strength, I'm looking at it in solitude. I'm looking for solitude to be able to find my strength. Isolation is I'm like, I don't like that word at all. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I, solitude is what I've been saying all along too. Yeah. Solitude, solitude not isolation. Yeah, yes. You can find so much power in solitude, but isolation is a negative connotation. So words have power too. So it has to be number one, it has to be public. Okay. It has to be in front of other peers. It has to be in front of those that they respect, people that they can look up to. And that's the community. It has to be public. It's not just a, you know, you and the individual. It's, there's so much power in publicity and the being in the, what I mean by that is in the area, in the arena of a public position. Gotcha. And number so two. Number, number two. two. And I'm going to have to remember what I said because I was like on a roll. Well, so, <laughs> I have them written down and I redid well, them because this is good. I was going to say, I, I've written them down. So I've taken oh, notes. Oh, go ahead. You go then. And I'm going to use my words. Please, please. Because okay. then people will resonate with you differently than they do with me. So I'd rather hear your words because that gives us a greater audience. But I love, 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 love this because of my own coaching. This is exactly the steps that I take my clients through. So I love this. So number one, I have you, I have a declaration in your community. Mm. A number two is that you're embracing your purpose and building your temple. And you said temple, and I'm going to say community. You're building mm. your tribe, right? Um, number three. Can I pause on that? Sorry, this is yeah. really powerful. Yeah. The temple was the community at that time. Yeah. The temple was where everybody went once, twice, sometimes three times a year. The temple was where they passed information back and forth. The temple is where they supported each other. Yeah. That was how important and central the temple was. It was called a synagogue at that time. The synagogue was the hub of the community. All commerce, all communication, everything came out of that. So I love where you're going with that community because it's exactly what that means. That is the intent of the temple. Mm, I got chills again. I love this. Love this, love this. Number four, uh, three is uh, you have a set of plans. Um, you, so you really have is a plan. You have a plan of your journey, your responsibilities, because you said the word duty. And I wholeheartedly agree that as leaders, we have a duty. As someone who has had a hurtful childhood, we have a duty now to heal so that we can heal others, heal our parents, heal our children, and heal um, anyone who listens to heal. Number four, you said charge. And I love, love, love this because to me, what I heard was step out of your comfort zone action. Mm -hmm. And I, as a fearless living coach, that's exactly what I do every day is, uh, you know, help people step out of their comfort zone. It is so risky, right? There's a, a <laughs> I'm going to use that word. It is such a risk when you see, uh, again, I'm going to take us back to the field, right? We're in the field and we see the big field and it's such a risk to go, how am I going to get here to there? Yeah. And yet all it takes is that first step and then the next step and then the next step, right? And what comes up to me is the, the phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. yeah, you have to step, you have to take that action and step out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, and you said you have to be strong, be courageous and be fearless. You didn't use, you said no, without fear. So I'm going to use 
fearless. fearless. That's, that's, I love this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also going to put in the word trust, which I was studying this morning, doubt. So the opposite of trust or the opposite of doubt is trust. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put in there, be strong, be courageous, trust, and be fearless. Um, and number five, you said strength comes from your recovery and your reflection. And I am going to say it acknowledge your resilience. Mm. Really look at what the path that you went. You can look back at that step number three, that plan, and you can see that it didn't go that way. And it's okay because look of all the lessons you learned. Look at all the the people that you connected with, all the, the connections you made, the, the, the wrong turn sometimes leads to not a dead end. It leads to the, the best end, right? So you get you acknowledging your resilience is able to look back and, and really see that in such a way that you can recover, you, you can recover, you can oh. reflect, you grow and you go every single step of the way of that, uh, when it was uncomfortable was absolutely worth it yeah yeah tying that back into what we first talked about talked about with the kings and the queens it's that process this is the process yeah. if you embrace the process you become a great leader and that's <sighs> the part that we often miss is like this whole thing those experiences the all all of that gives you a more powerful role as a leader yes and, and and, you know, I'm going to say, too, about number three is about uh, you say plan. I think this is that's also really a great opportunity to create. You know, because I think as leaders, we sometimes forget that we have the vision. Right. And that we now get a, an opportunity to create what that looks like. It doesn't have to look like someone else's, you know, especially in business. We doesn't our business doesn't have to look like someone else's. Um, our, our, our plan doesn't have to look like somebody else's plan. In fact, when we start comparing ourselves to someone else, that's when fear shows up. That's how, you know, you're in fear is when you're going, okay, well, I'm doing this and that person over there is doing that. And they seem like they've had such an easier way. <laughs> right. Well, one, it's probably not true. And two, they learned lessons that you might not needed to learn because you've already learned them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I honestly, each one of these five points, we could probably talk for about an hour on each one <laughs> oh, of these points. I know. Right? I because know. the thing with the plan is when you go back to, and this is what I talk about when I when we really do a deep dive into purpose, a purpose is a North Star. It's a direction that you continue to follow your entire life. It's not something that you look at and you say, okay, I like purpose rather than vision, simply because vision is, I am picturing what my life is going to look like three years, five years, and then I'm going to accomplish that. A purpose is a lifelong endeavor. And that North Star is going to continue to guide as you travel your life, your North Star, and this is where it goes back to the plan and that distraction and that syndrome, right? Their North Star might be different than your North Star. Your purpose, their purpose might be a little bit different and guiding them in a light, slightly different path. If you attempt to mimic or copy and do exactly what they're doing, you're not being true to your purpose and you're going to feel fake. And that's where a lot of the imposter syndrome comes up. It's a lot of that. I don't know. And 
but fulfilling purpose is always key. It's always key when you're creating that plan. So I love the tie in there is huge. Okay. So this is what's coming to me. And I guess it's because it's in the spirit of Christmas because we're getting close to that time of year um, within what, uh, two weeks, less than two weeks away. Right. Um, so I'm just thinking like the three wise men, right? Here they are on their journey. They're on their, they have a purpose, right? They're following that North star. Mm-hmm. And it takes them a long time to get Months. there. Months. Long time. And yet they know what their purpose is. And yet they probably had doubt along the way. They probably had obstacles that came up along the way. Well, what and happened yet, on a cloudy night when they couldn't see the, the star? The star, they exactly. Going, they stop. I mean, there's there's always clouds. Oh, right. There's all of these what ifs happen because if you... When we read that story, you know, we think about it like it wasn't human, right? It was like something that happened and it was like in a movie and they, all the um, circumstances around it was perfect. But the truth is, right, they may have gotten lost. They have may have taken a wrong turn because they couldn't see the North Star anymore. So, you know, what uh, um, Moses, what did they do? They walked around for 40 years right? In a circle. They didn't take the wrong turn. They just took the same turn. <laughs> you know, sometimes we we're on that path, right? They chose not to. That was the, so there's so many lessons. You just brought up two awesome stories. <laughs> when you think about it, one, number one, when it comes to the wise men, what, and I'm going to break some people's brains here just for a second. So the wise men did not show up at the birth. The wise men showed up two almost two years later. Right. They didn't show up at the time of his birth, right? They showed up two years later. That's why when Herod did his decree about killing the younglings, he basically wiped out boys that were five years of age and younger because he wasn't sure on the timing. It wasn't just a birth. So it took them, let's say, approximately two years, two years. to follow that. That star showed up two years, and they worked two years to be able to follow that and figure out where it was. Two so years. Two years. So, so I'm just thinking, uh, I'm just going to tie this all together. <laughs> So those of you who are listening who are going, well, I know what my purpose is, is to start a business. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to take. Well, the wise men, it took two years. Yeah. Some people it takes five years. Some takes 10. It's okay. Stay on course. Stay keep taking that, that step out of your comfort zone one step at a time and you will eventually get there. That's the key is one step at a time. Yeah. Too often we be, we go into that fear, that paralyzation, and we hide and we don't keep taking a step. We don't keep moving forward. Just like you said in the bean field, if you didn't keep taking the next step, you wouldn't have cleared the bean field. Right. So right. at the end of it, you can look back and look what I created. Look what I built. Look what through the power and the strength, and everything else that's coming in. Look what was able to be able to accomplish and the impact that I have. But how do you show up every day? Two years to find the end of the star. Two years. And I can guarantee you they were like, are we going in the right direction? I mean, <laughs> did you bring enough supplies? I mean, I'm out of water. I mean, well, you know. That, that, yeah. And traveling in that day and age was not easy. Right. Uh, and they were awesome. walking. Yep. Walking for two years. Yep. I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, there was somebody that was like, oh, I got to stop. I had a pebble in my shoe or yeah. my sandal or, you know, my feet hurt. 
are we there yet? You know, that all of those things, you literally, that is what happened. Mm -hmm. And they kept going. And so they are your inspiration for you to keep going. Yep. Mm. Wow. I didn't know we were going to have church today, Tim, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't intend for church, but the lessons are applicable. I don't care if you're an atheist or if you're a Christian or if a Methodist, a Jehovah's Witness, I don't care who or where or what we can learn things from scripture that are applicable to they're, they're basically business principles. Absolutely. And they, they tie in. I mean, these are 2000 year old principles that are there actually longer than 2000 years, but it's, these are principles that are a couple thousand years old that have shown and worked and we've got thousands of years of experience on this. Why not use them again? It right. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like in awe. You know, we, we literally started this conversation. Hi, how are you? What's going on? How you been? Where are you located? Oh, who does the flag represent? And boom, that we just kept talking. And then it was like, you know, we should probably start recording. So <laughs> My editor is going to have a heyday with this. One. And I, <laughs> as far as like podcast interviews, these I find are the most impactful though, because they're coming from our hearts. They're real. We didn't make this up. I literally did not have this planned at all. <laughs> like I had a whole nother script over on my other screen and I had everything all set up and I had all my notes and everything else. And maybe we can meet again at that time, but sure. that was not what was meant for today. Today was meant for this passing the mantle of leadership. And that's mm. what was late. And I, I, I kid you not, I literally had about 45 minutes of my own personal reflection. This is what was in my own personal reflection. So you guys, that's a sneak peek behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz, right? It's just, this is who we are. Yeah. And I, like I said, I was just studying this morning about doubt and mm -hmm. uh, trust. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to throw that word in there when you said, be uh, courageous, be strong, be fearless to also trust as is. So, you know, this is uh, sometimes just like uh, step number three, the best laid plans don't happen. So um, it's just a Adaptability. perfect example, <laughs> perfect example of what that is. Um, gosh, so we literally now have to start wrapping up. So a couple of questions I want to ask, um, what would you want to be, first of all, what does investing in people mean to you? Let's start with the very first question that I didn't get to even to ask. What does investing in people mean to you? Uh, so investing in people is very specific. I, I have a saying right up here on my board and you, I don't usually put it on screen or anytime on screen because this is my, my actual work board, right? But on the very top is how many people have I impacted today? Mm, I love and it. I look at it from a perspective of, am I reaching out? Am I touching somebody's life? And I'm, And then the conclusion of that is the influence and the impact and all that comes from, have I helped somebody grow a little bit, whether that's in their own personal life, in their own business, how have I helped them either find a blind spot to grow through it, to, to uncover it, to whatever. I want to know that I'm impacting people in their growth. That's, that's what all of that means to me. Hmm. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, what would you want to be, um, to leave as your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> you got to be careful because I might get emotional on that one. <laughs> I've thought a lot about the legacy thing. And because um, we've gone through different studies and things about what do you want somebody to write in your uh, eulogy? What do you want them to have on your tombstone? And what does the dash mean between the date of birth and the date of death? And all of these different conversations that they have. And at the end of the day, it keeps coming back to the impact. Mm. Have I helped change enough people um, the scene that comes to mind, and I'll, 
it, it's kind of a gruesome scene, but it, yet it, it portrays everything that I feel. In the Schindler's List, at the very end, he talks about the fact that if I would have sold this car, if I would have sold my ring, I could have saved mm-hmm. one more. And that that right there shows legacy because when that was all over the when the Jews finally went back and they now have their they they created a memorial for Schindler and the list that he had because he did everything he could to save as many as he could. And that's part of the impact. So when you're asking about legacy, my legacy is number one with my kids. Are they following up and are they able to then step out in the world, spread their wings and become who they were meant to be? That's one. Two is then how am I impacting and leaving a legacy and helping others grow? And did I do everything I could? <laughs> that's my that's my drive. That's my passion. Like every day is that I, did I show up to be able to be of service? Did I show up to meet a need? So that's mm-hmm. the legacy that I hope is left. If I could write it, great. But at the same time, it seems counterintuitive because you, how do you write your own like impact? It just, I don't know. I think you just live it. I don't think you write it or plan it. I think you just live it. Um, great answer though. Great answer. Thank you for sharing. Um, also, where can people connect with you? What is your website, social media is all of that? Uh, so the two best places, well, I'll give you three just because everybody's on Facebook, but you can connect with me on Facebook. Personally, I don't interact as much on Facebook. I just post information there. I'm not as, as interactive. Um, LinkedIn is where I typically interact with people. So it's LinkedIn. And then if you just do a search for my name, Tim Kroll, um, I can even give you the links here at the end. And then the last one, which is probably the easiest, is timkroll.com. And there's a contact form on there. You can send me an email. We can connect. Uh, in most of these situations, depending on my schedule, and I have to be really careful about this because sometimes it gets packed. Most of the time I'm able and willing to give away 10 minutes for a quick call or a quick challenge or whatever's going on. Most of the time, sometimes I get booked out two or three months. So I, I offer that, but at the same time, sometimes so many people pick up on that. I'm just like, I can't, I can't provide. So I want to be careful and be true to my word. If it's there, if it's available, I offer it. If it's already packed, I'm sorry. (laughs) You might have to wait a little bit. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great issue to have a great challenge to have Tim. And you know, you're such a, an example of generosity and that just shows that you are willing to give away 10 minutes. So you're worth waiting for. So people will wait. Um, and you. I thank you. And I always like to, to end with this question. What is um, the phrase, scripture or mantra that you're living by right now? <laughs> so it's a leadership one. And there's a couple of them. Man, how many do I have to do just one? Because <laughs> there's a couple of them. <laughs> Go for it. All right, so I'm going to read this one. Now, and this is from Jim Rohn, and I actually have it on my wall, so I'm going to read it. The challenge of leadership is to be strong, but not rude, to be kind, but not weak, to be bold, but not a bully, be thoughtful, but not lazy, be humble, but not timid, be proud, but not arrogant, have honor, but without folly. Mm, that I one love means, that. It means a lot to me yeah. because that's how I, I want to show up in the world. And each one of those things is very key. Um, and some of the other things that, that you can see, I've got be a warrior on this side and I've got on this side, be, be strong and courageous. So I've got different ones that I actually have up there. And then one that recently has been resonating with me is build for the rain. Mm. And it comes from Noah because he spent 40 years building an ark <laughs> and people mocked him. Yep. So they, they didn't know what rain was. Rain had never showed up before. They mocked him and said, but he knew his purpose. He knew his calling and he built for the rain. And how often have we been discouraged by society or by others and not fulfill our purpose? Yet Noah took 40 years building 
or the rain. And before I jump into that, because we <laughs> we can jump word. into another one, exactly, uh, Noah. Yeah. I, I just want to say thank you. I mean, really, this conversation was just such a humongous blessing to me, and I know it will be to the listeners. And um, you know, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time. And like you said, we are kindred spirits. And every time we talk, this is literally what happens, guys. It just keeps going, going, and going. And we could literally record hours of <laughs> discussions. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's, it's truly an honor. And again, it, it you, and I appreciate this because it's helped me fulfill my purpose by giving me the opportunity to be able to share with you and your audience. And I, I thank you for that because it, it that's a fulfilling thing for me. And I appreciate that opportunity. And I will say uh, back to the back to the Noah story, 40 years, and he had a, a purpose. And like you said, think about all the people around you who don't understand. They don't, um, they, your family doesn't get it. They're going, okay, I know you're building something, but I don't get it. In fact, I had my dad say that to me in the, in the beginning of when I was telling him I'm changing, shifting careers. He's like, I don't understand. I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to. I have so, a secret. Yeah. I'm over 40, so I'm, I'm hearing you, and I understand, and there's something innate in all of us that we want our parents' approval. Specifically for me, I want my father's approval, Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people can resonate with that. For 40 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I've been, ever since I was a kid, I've been selling baseball cards or deliver whatever. I built multiple, multiple businesses. Every time something I would run into a hardship or a hard time, my dad doesn't know that he did this. So if he listens, dad, I love you. But this is the way it was, right? Every time I ran into a hardship, it was always, you need to go get a job. You need to go get something that's stable. You need to go work for the post office. You need to go work for Home Depot. You need to go always, it was go get a job. And it wasn't until actually this last year that things fell apart. Actually, two years ago, it fell apart. And on the phone with my dad, he finally said to me after this is, I'm talking 40 plus years. He finally said to me, yeah, you'll figure it out. You always do. And those couple of words doesn't sound like a lot, but it meant the world to me because it was finally him embracing and understanding that my personality is not go get a job. It was a powerful, powerful statement that he made to me that he probably doesn't know he made, but I wrote it down. And I, that's one of my journaling things. Blue is my confirmation. So I look through and I, when somebody gives me a word of encouragement, I write it down in there because mm. trust me at 2 a.m. Sometimes it gets real dark real, yeah. real dark as a leader. And you feel alone, you feel isolated. And it's a weight that you carry. It's a burden that you have. And those confirmations make all the difference at 2am. So <laughs> pretty powerful. Yes. And um, thanks for the tears. <laughs> at the end. Um, I, I, you know, thank you really for sharing that. It, you know, my dad, he never, so he's an entrepreneur too. So he never, I'm grateful. He never said, get a job to me. He would just say he didn't get it. He didn't understand. Mm -hmm. However, he didn't tell me that he loved me unless I told him first. He didn't tell me, you know, he didn't acknowledge me most of my life growing up. And so when we're at the hospital and it was his last two weeks, one of his friends uh, came to visit him and she took me aside and she said, he has said to us for the past several years, that he does not know how he would have made it through if it wasn't for you. Mm. And just that phrase will live with me forever. 
And my mom said the exact same thing. I don't know what I would do without you on her in her last month. And so sometimes if you're listening to this, I'm going to uh, challenge you to not wait till it's your last month or your last week because you don't even know when it is, you know, appreciate and tell the people around you that you appreciate them. See, there's, there's two sides to this. And I love your challenge because that's the first side. Because a lot of times we hold things in, we don't share, we don't tell until it's too late. And I love that challenge. So I greatly appreciate you doing that. On the other side of accepting, sometimes it is impossible for them to express in our own language. Yeah. And so therefore they express their love, their appreciation in a different way just because they're not capable or they haven't healed or something else. And so from our side and from our perspective, sometimes we have to shift what we're focused on because what we focus on is always going to grow. If we're focused on all of the negative, it's going to get bigger. If we focus on our challenges, it's going to get bigger. If we focus on what they are attempting to say to us, like you just said, he may not have said it, but yet when, when somebody pulled you aside, it was like, wow, what an impact. Yeah. And so for me, I'm looking at it and that's why I have to fit, I have to shift my focus. And when he said, you'll figure it out. It's like, wow, wait a minute. I'm healing inside, right? I'm doing that. And then I can hear, I can hear that in a different light. So there's two sides. Yes. I believe strongly what you just said. You need to challenge people to reach out, show appreciation, show gratitude. On the other side, look for it, find it. Yes. And you hit the, the nail on the head, really. Um, when you invest in yourself and heal, you then realize that you are innocent and your parents or whoever hurt you are innocent. They have innocence at some point. They may not maliciously have done that, right? Mm-hmm. They have no idea what they are capable of are doing to you. So when you are healing in the process of some sort of healing, you use the word accept, and I'm going to say it receive. Yeah. You're able to receive it from a different light because yep. it's a different language that you're now receiving from them. Their yep. language might not be verbal. Their language might be, well, I didn't, I didn't tell you how bad you are. <laughs> you know, you know what exactly. I mean? Like I exactly. was just saying there's other options out there for you, son. You know, I was just looking out for the best in you, you know, their mind is I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Wow. What a note to leave on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. And yes, I'm definitely going to have to, we're going to have to continue this conversation at some point. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Anytime. I wanted to say thanks again for joining into our conversation. You know, one of the things that I've seen across the board, whether you're a business leader, owner, entrepreneur, or even a leader, is the struggles that we go through and feeling like we're all alone. We've created a class, a workshop type class called MentorMind, where we meet for six months. In that six months, you were able to meet and talk with other people that are going through much of the same situation, same scenarios, same challenges, and it gives us a great way to be able to connect, grow, support, and encourage each other. And if you've often felt like there's no one else that you can share with, let me invite you to MentorMind where you can share some of the challenges, come up with solutions, and be able to live the best life that you have. We'll talk soon, guys.